This is a GRDC podcast. The first comprehensive in-paddock survey of summer weeds in Western Australia is nearing completion. The area surveyed covers the state's wheat belt from north of Geraldton, down south and then east of Esperance. Hello, I'm Tony Crowley. The seasonal survey is being conducted over two summers, winding up at the end of this summer with its results to be made available later in 2021. The survey, supported by the GRDC, has been coordinated by Albany-based agronomist Andrew Storry, and it's Andrew who's been doing the fieldwork. Until now, there's only been anecdotal evidence and targeted surveys to reference for weed distribution and abundance. This survey will provide hard numbers for the entire wheat belt for the first time. When I spoke to Andrew, he began the conversation with a reminder about the need for summer weed control to make the most of late spring rains and summer storms. There's been a fair bit of research done and it shows that um, you know, even if you can store up to 30 millimetres of soil water through to the next autumn for se- time for seeding, it, it, you know, even on our light textured soils here in WA, getting a good start on the crop is extremely important. So, uh, And also species, viney species like the melons and wireweed and those sorts of things also create issues um, in seeding, particularly if you're using uh, tined implements. Yeah, disc seeders are becoming more popular in some areas, so that, that sort of well, cut through those things. So you've got the physical problems as well and obviously too much vegetation. And then on the other side, if you've got stock, You've also got issues with um, potential poisoning and um, uh, wolf or, yeah, so a whole range of reasons why you really want to control your summer weeds. We'll talk more about some of those species shortly, but this is a statewide survey. How representative of the different agronomic regions is it? Well, we've tried to, in, in the design, we've tried to make it as representative as possible. So we've selected paddocks from... Uh, the, the six major cropping zones. So basically there's 197 paddocks being surveyed in total. And so what, what we're doing is looking at um, the data from each of these zones and analysing them for you know a zone effect and also the total cropping belt effect. So, yeah. Andrew, you're not just an agronomist. Tell us more about your skill set that uh, you'll be using in conducting the survey. I've been running workshops for um, over the past for the GRDC, looking at spray application, but also summer weed identification. So this project rolls on from those um, grower workshops that I ran uh, in the past sort of couple of years. So because really the early identification of summer weeds, I think, is very important if you want to get good control. So weed ID is a bit of one of my little hobbies, um, and I think it go, runs in well with... Uh, being an agronomist, and also now I'm sort of, I myself am actually dabbling with podcasting, so yeah. But also you're you're a photographer. And, oh yeah, um, I do. Oh yes, yeah. I, I enjoy, yeah, it's another one of my hobbies. <laughs> it's nice. And environmental consultant. Oh yeah, I don't, well, yeah, that opportunity is always there, so uh, yeah. But even though I've specialised in weed management over the past sort of 20 years, I guess, I, I still think it's important to understand the farming system as a whole you know, if you really want to manage things. And currently your work is very focused on this summer wheat survey. So talk about a typical day in the paddock. So what's happening in terms of what you're physically doing as part of the survey work? Most of the paddocks have, have been selected that they're actually on um, 
front of road are, e- are quite easy to get to. You know, the majority are quite accessible. So there's, there's a couple of reasons why they were picked that way. One is that I uh, don't have to disturb the grower. And the other thing is um, biosecurity, because I, I don't drive into the paddocks you know, because of the biosecurity issue. So I'm not one of these guys that likes to drive across the paddock. I don't drive on beaches either. So I jump the fence. So I've got my, um, my recording sheet. I'm still using paper and pen because, you know, when it's, it's not a lot to go wrong with the paper and pen. And then I've got a tran- I have a transect and I have 52 points on that transect where I record what's present and uh, also take photos as I go. So, so it's a combination of uh, relative abundance of different species. I'm not actually counting each species, but what I'm doing at each of those 52 points on the transect, I'm actually getting um, what species are present. And when you add that up over the 52, it, it does give you um, what I call relative abundance. I think that's all we need for this. You said you don't like to disturb the grower, but... You are taking some data from the growers who are letting you onto the paddock. So, so what type of information is being incorporated into the survey that the growers are supplying? Uh, basically, what we're getting is um, paddock history, uh, what crops have been grown, and also trying to get um, what their herbicide history is as well. So hopefully we can link that back. So we're getting a bit of basic information about how the paddock's been managed, which I think is very important to determine so to give indications of uh, linking back to what's, why some species are more prevalent than others. And then also I hope to link that back a bit to um, timing of rainfall because I think, uh, yeah, obviously rain, rainfall is what drives the whole system. So it, it needs to be incorporated into the whole uh, analysis. Now, it is a two-year survey and this is the second year. Have you found much difference between broadleaf weeds and grassweed numbers? Ah, yes. Well, last summer, the actual surveys were quite late in the season because of the way um, the, the rain occurred. And so we, we picked up quite a few um, winter weeds were starting to germinate at that time with the rain. Because I've started the survey in late November, um, we're not getting those winter seedlings, obviously, but what we are doing, what I am seeing, is getting carryover of hard-to-kill weeds from the winter. So things like um, big Y-weed um, and also uh, there's been a few paddocks with um, quite massive spiny emex in them So uh, that have actually come through harvest. So, yeah, so there's that. Again, um, I've seen very few grass weeds, so probably even less than the last survey, uh, grass weeds, I'm probably about halfway through the survey at this point of time. And, yeah, grass weeds certainly are not showing up much at all at this point, just the way the rain's fallen and, um, yeah, the amount and timing. The main things that we, well, we picked up last season was that um, flea bone tends to be moving north, becoming a problem further north. And uh, as far as more warm sort of season weeds moving south, I um, found button grass uh, west of Ravensthorpe, which is uh, the first time that's we've actually found button grass that far south. 
And um, the other one that's sort of showing up further south is uh, Mullamulla, Green Mullamulla, which is spreading down roadsides and actually popping up in paddocks. So, yeah, so that's another one that's sort of becoming more common in the southern areas. Any other conclusions as to why some of these species are spreading the way they are? I, I actually, I'm, I'm in the process of putting together some publications on roadside vegetation management for the GRDC. And and one of the problems is uh, hygiene, machinery hygiene and that sort of thing and, um, and the lack of um, weed mapping because there's, there's very few roadside managers are mapping weeds now at the moment as yet. Hopefully we can encourage them to get more into that. But, um, yeah, so machinery, you know, graders, slashers are going to move stuff. And you've got species like uh, feathertop rosegrass, which is just spreading along roadsides um, because it, it's a surface germinator. It likes uh, those sort of hard-setting sea, uh, soils, which on roads, road shoulders. So, yeah, it's a species like that loves loves roadsides and it's glyphosate tolerant. So, you know, it's got, got all the goodies. And it's, while we're not really seeing it in paddocks as yet, because it it's very palatable to sheep, so I think sheep probably clean it up as soon as it uh, shows up in a paddock. Um, it's certainly moving down uh, laneways and roadways on farm. So uh, growers need to be a little bit careful there, uh, yeah, particularly if you don't have sheep. So if you're a no-till cropper with no, no sheep, uh, something like feathertop roads grass, really needs to be kept on top of. Now, it's not just a, a situation in WA. It doesn't matter what state or territory you're in. There can be a mix of common names used for a weed. Has that come up in the survey as being problematic? <laughs> yes. Well, certainly up north, um, confusion between uh, Afghan, well, Afghan slash camel melon, depending on where you are. If you're in eastern Australia, it's camel melon. If you're over here, it's Afghan melon and uh, prickly paddy melon. So, yeah, there's a, a confusion in the, the common names there, the prickly paddy melon. Um, yeah, and I, I guess the, the, the important thing there is that, you know, one, uh, the camel melon's harder to control than the prickly paddy melon, so you've, you've got to use it, you know, probably higher rates of herbicide to control those, those bigger melons. So knowing what the actual name is uh, is very important for control and management. Andrew, how long before you think you'll have the whole package finalised so that there will be some data to pass through to growers? End of April, I'm hoping to uh, wind this up and then um, have some reports written. I've, I've got someone looking at uh, analysing some of the data already, so certainly well before uh, next summer, uh, before harvest, uh, Hopefully I'll be getting around and uh, presenting the data from these trials at uh, grower, grower meetings and grower groups. So that's the plan. And how do you see the information actually being used? Ah, well, well, people people might be surprised by some of the uh, well species they may not have realised were in their area for a start and also hopefully linking what's present back to management. So hopefully we can say that, you know, the, these sorts of maybe timing of rainfall and these sorts of management strategies, you're going to get these sorts of weeds. Yeah, I think a lot of growers and agronomists sort of know a lot of that in the back of their mind, 
but hopefully we can actually put some harder numbers on it. That's that's the plan. Any other messages, though, that you would want to reinforce when it comes to summer weed control? Uh, well, I suppose I'd reiterate that um, early identification is important, particularly with increasing numbers of hard-to-control species and increasing levels of herbicide resistance out there. Uh, so that, that's that's important. And getting on top of those weeds early, they're easier to control. So, But I guess a, a couple of general trends, which a lot of people probably know already, is um, grazing paddocks tend to have a higher range of species in them as opposed to no-till paddocks. So stocking the system uh, in most cases is actually probably increasing weed issues rather than reducing them. Andrew Storry from Agronomo. And Andrew is based in Albany in the deep south of WA. So he's been clocking up some miles while conducting the summer weed survey. Keep an eye on GRDC online for the results of that survey and you'll find contact details for Andrew in the notes for this podcast, also online at the GRDC. I'm Tony Crowley, and thanks for listening. Music